a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, as you've heard, we're rolling into debate season. And here in the state of Utah, we're starting off with Utah's third congressional district debate tonight at Brigham Young University at 6 p.m. You can hear it live here on KSL News Radio. The interesting thing to me is that the, the political debate has really changed uh, over the years in terms of focus, style, substance. So we wanted to look at how it's evolved, what it means for candidates participating, and for all of us as voters watching. And we're really pleased to have joining us on the program, Matt Dole, who is a communications consultant at Communications Council. Uh, he's also a political consultant at uh, politi- Politics Council, excuse me. And uh, Matt, thanks for joining us. You've, uh, you've been around the block a few times uh, for a few debate preparation rounds. Uh, we'll, we'll start here in the state of Utah as people are getting ready today. Uh, give us kind of a behind the scenes. What's the typical candidate going through as they look to prepare for a debate? Well, thanks for having me on, Boyd. I appreciate that. I'm glad to be with you. Um, the The debate prep process is interesting. I think at this point, this close into a debate, the candidates both are thinking about not making the mistake that makes a headline tomorrow. That is job number one, to not make an unforced error. They have been prepped uh, uh, assuredly by their team and well by their team. The other thing I think that, that – the campaigns need to be careful of is over-preparing candidates. I think that they can get so much in their head that the candidates start to get jumbled during the debate. So uh, a good debate prep would mean um, giving your candidate uh, tips and talking points and fact points, but not overwhelming them because these folks know the issues. Yeah, and I think that's uh, important. The over-preparation often comes across as kind of those over-memorized answers, uh, something that you just know was, you know, consultant certified and poll tester approved by some focus group sure. somewhere. Uh, and so avoiding that kind of uh, thing that that often, I think especially in today's climate, I want your perspective on this, uh, voters today want that authenticity factor and sometimes in the overprepared debater, you often lose that. It feels just a little bit stiff. That's absolutely right. Yeah, you don't want to come off as stiff. You want to come off, um, you know, uh, authentic, like you said, and, and, and every man. And, and that's through just knowing the issues and knowing these, these candidates know that they know the answers to these questions. They just have to sort of be convinced of it again. <laughs> and so it's 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 briefing them but not over preparing them i had a candidate this year a congressional candidate in in the eastern united states and we did about five one-hour sessions with him made sure he understood 
the talking points, made sure he was able to put them into his own words. And then we, we stopped and we said, you, you've got it. You don't need to worry. And if you have questions, ask, but we're not going to, you know, have another hour session the day of the debate when you're going to have other things going through your head. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, and as you've watched this over the years, uh, you know, it does seem that we we are getting more and more to just those uh, kind of pre-scripted talking points, bullets. So we're not getting kind of the substance that I think we used to get in a little looser format. I was looking back at some of the old... uh, the old debates where, you know, opening statements were like eight minutes long <laughs> and you really had to say yeah. something that, that mattered. Are we, are we making this too made for TV, too made for, uh, for the media? And are we missing some of the message in the process? Well, what's interesting and boy, you probably know this is that, um, the, the part of it is the production value. Part of it is the host of the debate deciding what the, what the format is. And the the guy, the candidate I just mentioned in the Eastern United States, he was on stage with eight other candidates, and the moderator would ask a question and then go down the line. And he's a federal candidate, and he was on stage with state candidates. Oh, so there wow. were even issues that maybe made sense federally, but not state. That's just that's that's not on the candidates. That is on yeah. the sponsor of the debate per, creating a format that is not conducive to good debate. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point and we often see that more in the in the primary election season than in the in the general where you you usually end up with two or maybe three uh candidates on a on a debate stage. Uh what is it that we should be listening for as as you listen as you watch a debate from your perspective? Uh what is it that you're listening for? I think it's something that goes off script. I think that if if you got if you got people who pay attention to politics together in a room, they would anticipate a Democrat tonight um, talking about abortion and how abortion is closing the enthusiasm gap among Democrats, and that that's going to help turn out Democrat voters in November. So the Democrat candidate is going to be wanting to talk about that. And on the other side of the aisle, you're going to have the Republican wanting to talk about Joe Biden and inflation. And so. That's what people are expecting. So the the moments, the the keystone moments tonight are when we get a little off that script, where where we talk about an issue that someone's particularly passionate about or has a special story to share that um, places emphasis on that issue. We know what's coming. It's where we can get off that script a little bit. Yeah, and you mentioned those stories and that ability to to connect in a unique way or a surprising way. To me, those are the the real magical moments of debates. Is when it's it is off script and suddenly someone is sharing a a real personal part of their own story, their own journey, or someone they've interacted with on the campaign trail. 
other things that uh, that you watch for or look for again, especially as we get closer to these midterm elections? Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's finding different ways to tell the story. I think it's it's even you know there's a lot of attack ads on TV across the country, and that's going to continue through the election. But if you can find a way to even share the areas of disagreement with the opponent in a way that doesn't come across as um, vindictive, for lack of a better word, if you're able to share that contrast in a uh, a respectful way, in a way that resonates with voters, that's another place where I think a candidate could sort of notch a point for themselves. Yeah, so important. We're actually going to do some scoring on that uniquely uh, here, a little uh, pilot program, a test program here in the state of Utah. Tim Shriver's group, Unite.us, has rolled out the Dignity Index, uh, where they'll be scoring uh, conversation. And just as as you described it, Matt, of uh, disagreeing better uh, and disagreeing with great respect uh, for those that you disagree with, uh, that's going to be a really interesting thing for us to look at and uh, hopefully something that uh, everyone looks at nationally as well uh, in terms of how we actually uh, what we actually expect of our candidates in terms of how they treat each other, uh, not just the things that uh, that they know they can pick on each other for. Absolutely. It's it's an issue in, in our, as you well know, in our politics, just in general, people on social media hurling insults at one another. And if it's OK to disagree, and I think possibly our society has gotten to a point where some people aren't OK with disagreement, it's OK to disagree as long as it's done in a respectful way. And candidates should take heed of that. Yeah. And then finally for you, Matt, uh, what are some of the unique things uh, as you work in your practice, as you work with uh, candidates across the country? Are there any unique themes or things that are just kind of off the radar that we're not tracking that might uh, come up in some of these debates across the country over the next few weeks? I think the themes are are, uh, I I think the candidates are going to bring up unique things. I think the themes are pretty well set for this midterm. Democrats are going to accuse Republicans of being extremists, especially if that Republican is associated anyway with Donald Trump. Uh, Republicans are going to accuse Democrats of uh, voting with Joe Biden 100 percent or Nancy Pelosi 100 percent and bringing inflation down on the country. It's 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 again, it's those special moments where you can get out and share a uh, an interesting story. Um, and and try and get out of that mold. Uh, Nothing comes to mind because so much of the paid advertising across the country right now, the millions of dollars being spent, is in that mold. And so we're looking for the debate is a good opportunity to step outside of that TV advertising mold. Uh, Great insight. Matt Dole is a communication consultant at Communications Council. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us today. Great perspective. Uh, We'll have you back as we uh, march towards the midterm. Thank you. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, some final thoughts as we roll into this season of debates. And while most of us can't ask the questions of the candidates on the stage, there are some questions we ought to be asking ourselves. We'll talk about those coming up next. Stick around. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.